Buenos tardes, buenos dias, buenas noches. Hello, Chrissy. How are you? Hello. I am good, thank you. The sun has started to shine, but I have been watching people's Instagram stories for the last week of like pure sunshine down south, like everyone's in the park having beers or at the beach. And I'm like, it was cloudy for like, the whole week and raining so I was honestly just so sad that I lived up north but we move we move how are you so in London yesterday oh, the weather was looking very yummy you know I was also looking very yummy but today I opened my eyes fucking raining fucking clouds everywhere and so I don't know if you brought your bad vibes down here but <laughs> kind of shit weather but i am on a roller coaster that only goes up when it's not going down and i feel very grateful for my life at the moment and i just feel like i'm having a spiritual awakening i'm talking a lot of shit wow it's the yoga it's all the yoga it's been proven that once you do yoga and say namaste you are suddenly spiritual yeah. <laughs> um, I see you're moving out soon, selling some stuff or trying to shift some stuff onto people. <laughs> um, shift? Excuse me. I have, I've got Stuart the skateboard, Steve the armchair, Pablo the guitar. Well, I've given that to my housemate, actually. But I'm trying to get rid of Steve the chair and I don't want to sell him because I'm, I'm moving away for a little while. That will not affect the podcast dear viewers slash listeners <laughs> and i'm just trying to live a minimalistic life because i'm spiritual now I'm bohemian yeah well namaste namaste as all the uh all the white yogis like to say <laughs> knowing no idea where it came from but that's a uh that's another story for another episode <laughs> Cultural appropriation of yoga and the Hindu religion. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, well. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, this week. So, today we're going to be doing the air freshener dance move into Shamima Begum and all of the intricacies and complexities that revolve around that situation. And then we're going to be doing the duck, the duck move, into our cool little segment that we do every single week. And then we're going to be touching on some slightly heavier stuff. So we're going to be doing the Elvis Presley into domestic abuse in the Bane community. And lastly, we're going to end it on something a little bit softer, which is on being, can you be too woke? Chrissy, take it away. Woohoo, let's go. Our first topic is going to be about Shamima Begum. Again, apologies about the pronunciation if I've got that wrong. Um, So for those of you who don't know, 
who she is or the situation. So essentially, just to gist it very quickly, uh, Shamima Begum was a, uh, a girl from, I think she's Bangladeshi origin. She was brought up in Bethnal Green. And in 2015, she moved, she like fled from home and moved to join ISIS or ISIL, so the terrorist organization in Syria. Um, and I think she spent about four years there. And then last year, she kind of said she made a mistake and she wanted to come back to the UK. And there was like public outcry and um, they decided to uh, scrap her of her UK citizenship. Um, and then I've just found out this this week or last week, um, the Court of Appeal has ruled, has overruled that and have permitted her to come to the UK and uh, fairly contest the decision. So um, before I give my two pence, I wanted to get your thoughts, Loretta. Obviously, this was big last year, um, but generally on again, the ruling now that it's all come back. Uh, what are your thoughts? So, and this is not to speak on your behalf, Chrissy, but I, I want to agree. I want to say that in my opinion, this is fucked. Like, I'm going to say it now and I'm going to just bookend it at the end of my rant. This whole situation is fucked. The fact that she left, fucked. The fact that her, th this, so one thing I'm not sure if people know, but so by the age of 19, she had had three children who are now all dead. I'm just going to yeah. take a moment. That literally sent chills through my body. Just having to say that, that fucked. The fact that she left to join ISIS, fucked. The fact that someone married her off and she just laid there pumping out kids, fucked. I just... It's blowing my mind. And uh, there is this whole concept of, was she, is she remorseful? And, you know, they, they showed videos of her and even the BBC reporter was like, you don't seem very sorry. Um, and... Uh, I'm very open-minded, so I'm going to say I think she's been incredibly brainwashed, but of course I don't know, in the same way that fucking Dave from the local pub doesn't know. And I just, Chrissy, I just, I think it's such a horrible situation, but should she, because I don't know if people also know, so I don't know if you know Chrissy, but she was actually stripped of her Bangladeshi Past, um, citizenship as well so she was left stateless and that was actually illegal for the UK government to have done to her because Bangladesh were kind of just like sis bye <laughs> really they, yeah, I didn't know that yeah they were like see you later we we do not know you um and the UK then afterwards was kind of they were umming and ahhing and then they went okay yeah bye and she just chilled in a refugee camp waiting where her kids died and i just again it just doesn't this whole situation just does not sit right with me chrissy what do you think so it's a very very tricky one like you said so i never want to take away from the fact that what isis have done and are still doing and those kind of terrorist organizations is messed up obviously is fucked um 
they are ruining people's lives they're ruining innocent lives they're killing innocent people it's just messed up um and i never want to take away from that and so i know at the age of 15 she's you know very close to being classed as an adult she knew the decision she was making when she went and she decided to join it um however i a don't think it's fair as us as a country to say nope she's not getting our she's not getting back her citizenship one thing i think that does is like it doesn't allow for any justice you know if she is brought here and she is tried fairly in a court for her crimes um, I guess it's quite difficult to know exactly what she contributed with, but if she was allowed fairly to to come over and be, go to come to court, get arrested, you know, spend some time in prison, a there'd be more justice, but b, um, uh, it's really tough. Basically, I think her the fact that her kids died, three of them, and only recent one of them died quite recently um, in the refugee camp. And I think it was partly as a result of the UK not allowing her back in. You know, obviously, healthcare is not as good there, etc. So we now have the blood of an innocent child on our hands. Um, but obviously, oh, it's so mm. I, I, I just I'm really struggling because also at the age of 15. I don't know about you, but like I, I imagine she wasn't the most you know educated or intellectual child um potentially you know you've got a question of family that why would she want to go leave and and join something like that but kids are brainwashed kids are so apparently she had a friend who joined a year before and their excuse was oh we're going to get her um so the thing is if your mate is saying like yeah come here it's amazing la la you get all this freedom which didn't happen because after 10 days of getting there she got married off yeah um yeah, I think I think she was misguided. I think she's even said this. She she got sold this dream. She was a young stupid kid, and she, and yes, her the young stupid kid. You know, it's not just you and I going to the park late at night doing stupid stuff. Like this is serious. She flew and joined a terrorist organization. So I'm not taken away from that. However, yeah. I think our duty as a state, as a free state a free western state that we love to uh we, we are proud of and you know we hold that we've got freedom of speech etc i think it was bad that we just turned our back on her yeah i think it was a political ploy though to be honest with you it it was a time after brexit they were just um you know the company the country was divided and i feel like they had to come stick with their a very hard stance just to appease a load of people i don't know what do you think so i read so i've actually stopped watching the news but when i was a hardcore guardian fan like i got the top badge on facebook a number of times (laughs) um (laughs) i remember reading an article and it said i can't remember who it was from so i'm not even going to try and say what their name was it was a man and he said, I don't think we will ever understand why she left to do what she did. I don't think we will ever understand what possessed her. But the fact of the matter is she is a product of our society and therefore she is our responsibility. And I couldn't agree more. Because 
people are she, whether or not she feels as if she's made a mistake i i'm not here to to discuss that whether or not she should be allowed back in the country absolutely i've said it i fight me i said what i said because otherwise it's it's not it's not right and just facing wrong with wrong is not lit and just she should be able to come here and like you said get people should get justice you know whether she goes to prison or whatever there whatever it is that the criminal system that i have shaking faith in will do to her but at least she would do it somewhere where her human rights are intact yeah i agree with you like i said you know one thing I'm so proud of to be living in the UK is the fact that we can have freedom of speech. We've got protests for BLM, but we've also got protests for the EDL. Um, and like, obviously, <laughs> EDL and BLM are not on the same level at all. Yeah. But I'm saying like, you know, we've got two ends of the spectrum. People are allowed to do it as long as it's not, um, you know, violent, etc. And for us to, I, I don't know, I'm a, I'm in a I've always had the stance that education is key. Education is the key to getting out of, I don't know, racist mentality, is the key to um, to, to everything, basically. So I, I definitely think, and we see it from like prison reforms, you know, people that are, that go to prison and they maybe spend some time like reading books or like educating a little bit more or some of them find religion in prison um they come out very different people so i think i think yeah it was a betrayal to say no to her i think it was a political stance um i don't by no means i don't want her to walk around the uk free i think she needs to pay for what she's done um because she wasn't a child child she was still 15 like you know we all made informed decisions then um (laughs) however you've got to look at yeah product of her upbringing why what maybe not why but like what were her motivations for doing that there's obviously you know if someone's content in their life here they're not going to do something like that yeah there's a few things but i don't know i mean i saw a lot of i think it was mainly on the daily mail i saw a lot of comments going like fuck her like leave her there let her rot there she decided when she left the plane when she got on that plane she decided to betray our country and all of this and like yes i do agree with like she she fucked up she's she's a bad i'm saying this she is a bad person Mm. however we as a country cannot just leave her there she's Mm. had three kids die she's Mm. only what 20 21 i think she's coming back though i'm not sure but I'm not sure if there's a date or anything. And with that, I think we should move on. Let's keep it rolling. Now we're going to do our segment that we do every week. Um, This week we have decided just to do a story of the day so it's like uh, i don't know what loretta's is she doesn't know what mine is but essentially it's a story that we just thought we should share i don't know something kind of i I don't actually know what yours is but just something about our lives really (laughs) um (laughs) feel like i haven't done that justice but it's basically a story of the day (laughs) um 
Loretta, kick it off. So, my story, I'm setting the background in Chiang Mai, which is in the north of Thailand. And I had, you know, flown in. I was doing a gap fortnight because I ain't rich enough for a gap year. So, gap fortnight. Took two weeks off from my, my big job where they pay me lots of money. And so I've gone to Thailand and I am just ready to... It's like 18-year-old Loretta has just switched on and I'm ready to run absolute havoc across this little city. And I'm there and I'm like, okay, take my take the equivalent of about £1.50 so I can go on this bar crawl. And, you know, they've given me a T-shirt and I'm, I'm drinking my sorrows away. And I start drinking gin. So first thing that happens is that like I'm dancing in the middle of the street between these two bars that like we all are. And this guy kisses me and he had been eating a chicken burrito and the piece of chicken, first of all, fell into my mouth. That oh, is it? horrific. <laughs> that is disgusting. <laughs> I wasn't I even sick. disgusted. I was just offended because I was like, I'm a vegetarian. You put chicken in my mouth. <laughs> The disgust didn't even... I was like, oh, it's fine, you know? But I was like, I'm a vegetarian. I'm holy. And, you oh know... Oh, my God. <laughs> and then I, I keep drinking, and I'm drinking gin, so I've actually got a bit of an allergy to gin, but I am on my gap fortnight. I don't I don't care. And, you know, I've, I've, I've drank. I've eaten some pad thai, then I've gotten a tuk-tuk back to the hostel... And I'm going to an elephant sanctuary and I want to stress it was a sanctuary. There were no riding of elephants. There were no weird things with elephants. I'm a vegetarian. And I had to go to an elephant sanctuary, which meant I had to be up at 5am. And I'd gotten back at about two in the morning and I'm jet lagged because I've just flown into Thailand. And I get up and I throw up all night and I take half an hour nap, get up, get in the back of the car. I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. And if you've ever been to Thailand, Chrissy, it's very swervy. The roads are very swervy. And it was just brewing inside me. And then I got to the elephant sanctuary after climbing about one billion steps. And I've seen the elephant. I'm so happy. You know, I've, I've fed it some banana. I'm patting it down. I'm like, oh, my elephant. And then I threw up on an elephant. On oh, the elephant, my God. Chrissy. On it. You're joking, what, on the trunk or the, the actual on the, body? On the, on the trunk, on the foot, everywhere. Projectile oh, Loretta, that is horrific. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to take a nap at the elephant sanctuary because I was so fucked. <laughs> oh my god. But that is my story of my gap fortnight. That's how it started. Wow. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that wonderful thing. <laughs> I'm from from the moment the chicken fell in your mouth I was gripped (laughs) wow okay so my story oh I hate you mine's about when I was in Thailand too (laughs) we are just like those classic like gap year kids that are just when I was in Thailand um fuck's sake I can't think of another one so I'm just gonna go for it but I don't even know if it's funny now like I'm oh, I'm really struggling to see if I should say it say at the it. end if it's shit we'll cut it out 
um, and it will just be your story time. But um, mine was also so I did two two months in like Southeast Asia, classic. Found myself, got the pants to prove it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we one night we all went out. So I'm gonna actually set you a bit of context here. We, what it was is like, you know, you do a few days in a hostel, then you move to the next town or whatever, and then you do a few days. And generally, everyone's doing like a similar route. So you see the same faces in maybe like Vietnam that you did in Thailand, then in Laos or um, Cambodia or whatever. So anyway, like, I'll, <laughs> I'll set the scene as in. I, so I fast forward, I, um, I got to, me and my friend who I went traveling with, we got to our hostel in like the bottom of Vietnam about six weeks after traveling. So I'd done like a few weeks in Thailand at the beginning, then a few weeks in Vietnam, and then I was going off to Cambodia. Um, so it's like one of the last nights in Vietnam, and we turned up to our hostel room, and I'm like, ah, oh, uh, and there's these three guys. So we're like, hey, as we do with everyone, hey, yeah, we're from England. They're like, oh, we're, we're from England too. La la la. Um, then this guy's just staring at me really weirdly. And I'm like, to my friend, I'm like, this, I don't know what's going on, but he's like looking at me weird and he keeps like smirking and whispering something to his mates. So I'm like, okay, right, this is weird. But anyway, nothing happens. Um, then we go out for drinks in the evening and I'm like, get chatting to them, all of us. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you don't remember me, do you? And I'm like, what? <laughs> Genuine, no idea. And he's like, the waterfall party, which is like, I don't know if you know, that's like the party before the full moon rave in Thailand. And I'm like, thinking back to it, thinking, I can't really remember that, but I was fairly drunk, so... Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time. And then he's like, you don't remember the bar? And I was like, that. and then suddenly it all comes back to me. <laughs> when I was at the waterfall party, like six weeks earlier, I'd had this fight with this guy. <laughs> I completely regressed it, like completely regressed it till that moment he said that. I'd had this fight with this guy because he pushed in in the queue. Obviously, I'd been drunk, he'd been drunk, and we just mouthed off at each other. He'd be like, and I was like, all of this. And then I thought nothing of it. It was like a five minute fight. He'd gone in separate ways. I'd been like, ah, dickhead. And then six weeks later, we end up in the same hostel room. Um, And I was like, oh, my gosh. Can you imagine, like, out of all the hostel rooms, out of all the routes, out of, like, everyone, what are the chances that six weeks later I'm going to be sharing a, I think it was like a five-bed dorm with a guy that I'd had a fight with six weeks earlier for, like, five minutes. And he'd remembered. That was the crazy part. I had no idea what this guy looked like. Um, Did he poo in your beds? What, like an amber turd? <laughs> nope, he did not poo in my bed. Uh, we became friends, actually. We're still friends on Facebook and, and stuff. I, th- I think he's still travelling. and that's, That kind of scares me because this is like five what? years ago. And I'm like, I've got some people on my Facebook that I met travelling that are still travelling. And I'm like, how, the f- how are you guys still doing this? Like, two months was fun, but like, I needed to get a real job and stuff. <laughs> Maybe, well, there's a lot of the world to see. If they're staying in the same realm, then I see how it could be boring, but... No, but, like, as in, like, money-wise, but obviously, like, when they get there, they get a few weeks in, like, a little bar or a hostel or something, like, as if working. But, yeah, crazy. So that's my story. Slightly different to yours, but I thought that was just a massive 
Coincidence. So now we're moving on to our next topic, which is a little tougher to process for a lot of people. And it is on domestic violence in the BAME community. I am going to say that I actually hate, I hate the term BAME in certain instances. In this instance, I think it can be very good. Um, And so I just wanted to talk about, just from a personal perspective as well, so I'll kind of be really upfront that I have actually been, and I hate the term victim, but I've been a survivor of domestic abuse and it has shaped almost every aspect of my life. It shapes me straight through from people tell me, Loretta, you do you do really exciting things through and that's that's something that is a result of kind of domestic abuse right through to, you know, if if someone comes up and startles me, I will jump like I've just seen a ghost. And, you know, I'm I will caveat it up front and say, therapy is your friend. Please do not walk around with problems. Please don't walk around with problems and say, all abusers were themselves abused. You got problems? That is actually okay. Now go to therapy. There's nothing wrong with it, but that is a podcast topic for another day. But I was actually reading, so Refuge is the UK's largest domestic abuse charity. And on a single day, they actually reported a 700% increase in phone calls during lockdown. And domestic abuse has apparently just gone, apparently people are now at home and they are just beating each other up because they're at home. And I feel so passionately and so strongly about this. And I'm also going to say from the get go, my story is going to be very much on the narration of cis men being violent towards cis women but I know it can happen in same-sex relationships in with women being abusive towards men and I am not making that smaller I am just portraying things that have happened to me I guess my question is do you feel as if a bit of a loaded question do you feel as if domestic violence um reports do you feel like claims of domestic violence are reported less in the BAME community and if so why I, I'll be honest with you, I don't have stats or facts, so I could just be pulling this out of thin air. Um, but from people I know and my experience, etc., I know, I, I think, I would assume, yes, it is reported less. Um, because it is a typical taboo topic in our cultures. I know, for example, in Asian culture or generally, like, yeah, South Asian culture, um it's it's not really it's not really a done thing to talk about your family life in a negative way and what I mean by that is maybe now as our generation grows up we're becoming a little bit more free with it but I know from our parents generations you know the typical Asian parent like they had more an arranged type marriage are very much more married for the family as maybe opposed to like love like obviously they're in love I'm I'm not saying that but I'm saying like um their the forefront is about having you know good family basis um and um we see a lot of people you know getting married very quickly um because of family pressures and they don't know the, the other person very well but you know they work together they've, they've been taught like okay well this person is going to be 
your right hand man or woman um, for the rest of your life so you've got to make it work and they've been taught okay you, you're basically you've got to procreate and have kids and and it's fine and it works for a lot of people don't get me wrong I've got hundreds of friends <laughs> maybe not hundreds but I've got loads of friends that have <laughs> parents parents who are arranged didn't know each other very well and they're still going strong 30 years down the line yeah. so it does work um but i think when it doesn't work or something happens like you know violence behind closed doors asians have a lot of pride in speaking up about it and they don't want to disappoint the family they don't want to disappoint the community the community holds a huge a huge weight in this because there is like for, for example where i live there's quite a big like Hindu, Punjabi, or uh, even Gujarati community here where I live, and uh, it's very small. So everyone finds out your business. You hear things about everyone else, his family, etc. And so a lot of people are scared that it will get around the community, and that's yeah. So I think it's um, yeah. I would say it's a lot less reported um, than than maybe like you know, Caucasian families or um, even going to therapy, which we could talk about in another episode about mental health, but even therapy like that's a taboo as well. Mm. So, yeah, that's my thoughts. I guess, what are yours? <laughs> so I can say that from from a personal perspective, I a part of me had almost normalised it, you know, and I'll go into kind of, so the domestic abuse I faced, it was physical, emotional and um, financial as well. And an aspect of my life, an aspect of my mind had just normalised it. I had in some world equated being hit to being loved. And I, I could probably deep, I could dig through the blueprints of my mind to find out where that has come from. But essentially that was my mentality. And I really want to stress this. I don't even blame myself 1%. I blame him and them 100%. I'm not even going to caveat it with, oh, but I had, fuck that. They did it, you know? And I, I want to come with that, that big dick energy and say, this was not my fault at all. And if you're listening to this and you know someone or you are someone, do not let them, because that's their, that's what they do. They, they throw kerosene on you and they gaslight you. And don't let them ever kind of tell you, oh, but it's because you did this. What did I do? Please tell me. But for me, yeah. I was I was very much someone who said, oh, but I've done this. And oh, he just does this because he loves me. And Rupi Kaur, the poet. <laughs> I know Chrissy doesn't really like Rupi Kaur. But <laughs> 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 How do you know I don't like her? He moans about her all, all the time. Yeah. It's just it's like, literally like life is green. Ruby Core. <laughs> it's just like some shit sentence, and then it says Ruby Core, no, and suddenly everyone reposts it. I feel so attacked because I'm a poet, and I. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> so there's a bit that Ruby Core wrote in her book of poetry called Milk and Honey, and she kind of spoke about how you know my my father used to. I'm paraphrasing here, but my father used to yell at me, and he would tell me that he yells at me because he loves me. But what that does is that it, you're, you're bringing up a child to believe that when someone is angry at her, when a man is angry at her, that is synonymous for love. 
and I was the same, you know, I, so I come from an abusive back, like household as well. And I was dealing with the domestic abuse from a parental perspective. And then I went out into the real world and men were beating me and I was mistaking it for love. And I think being, being black, being black, being Nigerian, and I can speak for my family and the families I know, when you're Nigerian, you do not say fucking shit about anything. You could literally be dying and you suck it in, you put on your Gucci belt and you act like it's cool. You're like, you stunt until you die. That's the Nigerian flex. And I, and that is what I carried on my chest. I was like, how you present yourself to the world is all that matters. And it meant that then when I was being mistreated, I had said nothing, you know, I had swallowed it i had i just said oh this is fine but oh it's okay because he loves me or i'd said oh i don't want people knowing our business and even when i did start coming out and and started to be really vocal so i'd gone down the criminal prosecution route which i can't go into on one of my against one of my abusers and when i wanted to make that claim the first thing i actually thought was one I don't want to fuck up his life. That I had sympathy for him. And the second thing was, I don't want people to look at me differently when I have to tell them that this is what's happened. When I've had to tell, you know, the relevant people at work who need to know, or when I've had to tell some of my closest friends, I don't want them looking at me differently. And I almost felt slightly ashamed. And then I thought to myself, when he was, this in particular partner, when he was beating me and when he was taking my money when he was fucking my childhood friend chrissy this motherfucker fucked my childhood friend can you believe that yeah it's horrible and i was like when he was doing all of these things he didn't feel ashamed so why in under any circumstances the fact that i was able to navigate navigate through the fucked up forest which was him should i feel ashamed should i feel anything less than brave now i'm i'm so proud of you and that sounds wanky, so I'm not, I don't want it to sound wanky, but I am so no, genuinely like proud of how brave you've been. And I know it's taken you years to get here, yeah. Um, but we've got here, and hopefully you'll get some justice. And I want anyone who's listening, anyone at all who's ever felt had something similar or is unsure what to do or doesn't know if it's um abuse or not or whatever i want you to speak to whoever you think whoever you feel safe talking to whether that's like even dming us yeah. or um uh, speaking to your friends or going to therapy or going to the police i want you to have that bravery and i want you to know like you are not alone this is happening so much behind closed doors you you'd be surprised and that's one thing i would say you would be so surprised on how many people this has happened to uh that you know and they have never told you yeah you'd be so surprised you might know the strongest loudest boldest woman ever and you would have no idea that something like this has happened to her yeah um all the same with men and um, and we're not taking that away we know domestic abuse happens the other way around as well um but i know and we know it takes time to process these things it's not a day sort of change or turnaround but if you feel ready and um I strongly advise or like hope you do then please be brave because 
Loretta, how much, I guess, how much more, how much better do you feel now than when you were holding it all in? I feel liberated, honestly. Yeah. When I walked out of that police station, I was like, I'm a G. Literally, I'm a G. That's how I left. And then I felt a bit sad. But the initial thought was, even the police officer who I was reporting it to was like, you are so brave. You're a G. And I was like, I'm a G. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I believe my report yeah, in South it. London. That's why he said I'm a G. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, you, you will find support wherever you go, hopefully. Mm. But the first step is you making that change or, or making that report or whatever it is. So please do do reach out. And we know this is a heavy topic. And Rhett, I'm really glad you felt safe to share it here and share it with the people that are listening because I know how long you've been holding this and just mm. generally how shit has been making you feel, which is completely fair. We've got to be brave. So our final topic will be surrounding being woke. So Loretta, I know you hate that term. Yeah. Um, but essentially, for anyone who doesn't know what woke means, actually, let me get up a uh, a definition on what woke means. Um, so woke is a political term of African-American origin and refers to a perceived awareness of issues concerning social justice and racial justice. Basically, someone who's woke is someone that knows the issues that are going on and they speak up about them. Now, what I would say in that definition, although it says African-American, I would say it's definitely obviously here in the UK as well. And it's not just people that are African descent that are woke. You know, there's Asians that are woke. There are Europeans that are woke. There are Caucasians that are woke. There are a lot of people that are woke. But I wanted to ask you, Loretta, do you think people can be, quote, too woke? Absolutely. I think, so, if you're a first-time listener and you started on episode 10, God, episode 10, Chrissy. Yeah, I know. I believe in the term groggy. And... Because I just don't believe that any human being could know absolutely everything about everything. And my issue is that there are people, people in Chrissy and I's life, right, who are standing big, you know? They've, they've put on their Timberlands, two sizes too big, you know? Can't even lace them up. And they're acting like they know everything about everything. And if you want to be arrogant, cool. But don't then come and then pour your judgment on over to me someone called me controversial and I was so happy like I was like oh god yes thank you I've made it Jamila Jamil out here and I just think you can't know everything and if you're trying to act as if you do know everything you're a pro- you're actually a problem because you're then making it see you're then making it so difficult for people to ask questions for people to say I don't know but I want to learn and you're actually do you know what you're putting all this energy right blasting your Instagram story yeah with this has happened this has happened this has happened you should be blasting that energy at the man why aren't you protesting 
why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you donating? You've got money. And I, it just blows my mind, right? There are things you don't know. And why are you acting as if... Sorry, I've actually slipped out of my home county's accent there. Apologies. And like, <laughs> <laughs> why are people acting as if they know it? And I just, it makes me so mad because I could tell you that and the world is built on the shoulders of men. The iPhone that I'm holding that my big company pays for, thank you, is built based on the standard size of an average man's hand. And autism in men is diagnosed as early as two years old, whereas in women, it's not until they're mid-teens because all the science is based on men, right? Why don't you put that up on your story, motherfucker? Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the issue for me is I see a lot of hypocrisy with people that I deem too woke, and that's what annoys me. Is like they will happily call something out on Insta but then go and do it themselves. Like, so I find there's a big hypocrisy. The thing is, people will throw to you. If you question them, they'll throw, oh, you're just racist. And it's like, no, like, genuinely, I'm just questioning this. I'm not, like, I I don't know. I feel like people always, like, it's so easy now to just coin the racist term. And, like, don't get me wrong, people are just racist. There yeah. are people out there that are. Um, However, like, if I'm questioning the deletion of, the in-betweeners or like I'm questioning if the office the US office has said things that are um you know racist or homophobic or against people with disabilities I'm not myself racist or I'm not myself homophobic or whatever yeah um so yeah I find some people like obviously I think it's good to be woke to a level, 100%. There's some people that just really suck the fun out of life, don't they? It's like, you literally have to have a conversation like, <laughs> yeah, the weather is good, isn't it? To, yeah. like, not offend them. Yeah. And for me, that's just when it gets, like, too much. Like, there are serious things that we should be fighting. Like, for example, the justice of Breonna Taylor. Mm -hmm. And then there are some stuff that we just don't really need to be questioning I don't think so yeah that is my stance really it, I feel like it's like a very boomer thing to say like my parents say it like oh you millennials you're too sensitive now we're, we're, <laughs> like you've taken the fun out of everything la, la, la. we can't say man-sized tissues and stuff like that but I, I feel like I'm turning a little bit into that in, in a sense like there are things that are wrong and there are there aren't things that are wrong and like so, for example, you know, the statues, that's been a big thing, like these statues of old colonialisers. Like some people, and they have a fair argument. They're like, it's history. We're, we're getting rid of history. Why would you get rid of history? But in my eyes, I'm like, okay, well, why do we have to praise someone with a statue? Like, we're not trying yeah. to get rid of history. We're just trying to, you know, stop there being a massive statue of them and everyone thinking they're a great person when they aided the slave trade or whatever. Yeah, there's, I don't know, there's just there's there's just an issue of like is the world just too woke at the moment and mm -hmm. i feel like it's more amplified from the friends that we have because we yeah. obviously like we got a good amount of friends that are all like diverse but live in london like london being like the most multicultural place in the uk mm. um and it's definitely the people we hang out with but yeah i guess i think the world's got a bit too woke i i just think i just think we all need to be a little bit more humble you know and 
it's it's what a close friend of ours once said you know it's better to educate than berate people and i do agree unless you know you're katie hopkins and you fucked up but if someone just doesn't know something if someone says something that you don't agree with there's absolutely nothing wrong with you saying look i don't agree with this and this is why why are you screaming at me on my dms like i give a shit about you Buenos tardes, buenos dias, buenas noches. You did not have to stop. What's wrong with you? Like, you're meant to be my hype man. No, man, you did that at the start. You gotta mix it up. I'm tired. You gotta learn another language, right? You keep doing the Spanish stuff. Oh, sorry. I feel like you need to throw some. Sorry, being. Not, not... being having, knowing three languages. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, 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 we get it. Okay, All right, let's speak, do some German. I can speak Yoruba. Guten Tag. I don't know any German, okay, yeah. <laughs> Do Do the Yoruba. Okay. Ekule. That means, it actually means hello, but if you're coming into someone's house, that's what that means. And then if someone comes into your house, you would say, Ekabo, thank you for coming in. Yeah. See you on. Nice. And so that was this week's topic. <laughs> we have we've danced around a number of things. We've talked about the intricacies of Shamima Begum. We have then, you know, done the hopscotch further across into our cool little segment, which was news of the day, where we both shared stories of our experiences in Thailand. And then we, you know, we went a little bit harder uh, about the domestic violence in the Bame community, and we sort of wrapped it up in a nice little bow about is it possible to be too woke so chrissy how did you fancy this week um i thought we had uh some good topics i think obviously it's it's never easy to give a an opinion on the shamima pagan thing without offending someone and so um yeah that's a, a weird one in no way shape or form are we ever saying that she you know deserves to be let free we're just saying you know as a, a on a human rights perspective, should she be uh, should she have been stripped of her citizenship? Um, also, adding to that, you know, domestic violence is a super serious and um, heavy topic to speak about, but it's necessary. And so, I, I'm glad we got to hear your story and just generally, um, hopefully, inspired a few more people to to speak up if this is happening to them. And then um, finally, we spoke about being too woke, which I felt was a little bit more lighthearted. Um, but yeah, some people just really are pains, aren't they? <laughs> oh, honestly, I just um, people. I actually realised in twenty twenty, I've become less of an angry person, but people agitate me. Like the amount of times I yell in a week has become shocking, because I just really? have less patience for human foolishness. Fair, yep. <laughs> I agree with you. 2020 has been the weirdest year ever. Yeah. But, you know, something beautiful has come out of this. What? Who that is? What? Blasian Radio, baby. That's true. Episode 10, guys. We made it. Oh, my gosh. Email us. Please. We would love to hear from you, whether you're white, black, brown. Latinx. uh, Pink. Blue. (laughs) Red. Green. Yeah. Whatever you are. Whatever colour, whatever background, whatever gender, whatever sex, whatever orientation, whatever, ever, 
anything, just bloody email us. We yeah. would love to hear your thoughts. We hear it through other friends. We message us on Insta and stuff. But, you know, it'd be good to get, like, a comprehensive overview on what you thought, if you agreed or if you didn't agree. Um, email address, you want to hit it? So, it's blazingradio at gmail.com. One more time for my ex who listens to my podcast I found out this week. It's, <laughs> it's blazingradio at gmail.com. Nice. And we're off we're to out. another week of 2020. Partial no more lockdown. lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> so there is a lockdown, Partial. but no one's listening to it. Yeah. It's over. Wear your masks. Please. Please.